So earlier today, I posted on Instagram and asked people if they had any questions for you, Deb, and we got a lot of responses. So over the next little bit, we are going to try to answer as many of these questions as we can. Okay, that here's the first good. one. Should you get into a dating relationship if you have debt? Whoa, okay. Well, <laughs> you, I, I think a dating relationship when you have debt, not, you know, if, if we waited till we were all debt free, then, you know, we're gonna, not going to have any dating. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I think it's important that if you have debt, you have a plan. Mm-hmm. What's your intentions? What's your plan? for eliminating that debt as quickly as you possibly can. Um, I think if the person you're interested in or you're dating has debt, you need to find out what their plan is. So you make sure you're a match in that scenario, but have a plan. That's good. What about this one? How can I stay on budget? Should I create an incidentals category or maybe an emergency fund? That's that's a good one. Emergency fund is is key. Um, an emergency fund is what keeps you out of debt. You know, when an emergency pops up, a new set of tires, transmission, transmission blows, you know, that's the first thing we're going to reach for the credit card. So having an emergency fund is really important. The way that you do that is you have to list out what all your expenses are, subtract that from your income, and then say, whatever's left over, you might take a portion of that money to spend on yourself and a portion goes into an emergency fund and do that consistently every time you get paid, however that works. How would that work for like a college student? I mean, you know, if they Mm -hmm. don't really have a big paying job or something, you Mm -hmm. know, like what would be a good amount maybe to, you know, like $500 or something, you know, just Mm -hmm. to kind of build that up maybe, and then just leave it in the bank and then, yeah. I mean, how would you tackle, I mean, what advice would you have for a college student? Yeah. So a college fund? student, um, typically they're going to get their loan payment in one lump sum. So first of all, you got to say, okay, how long does it have, you know, how much, how long does this have to last me? Is it four months? Is it six months? And divide that amount, that lump sum into those, let's say five months. And then that gives you your number of what you can spend each month. Then from there, you take out your expenses and then figure out what you have left over. So say you have $600 a month left over after you've paid your rent, after you've paid your utilities, your transportation, those kind of things. Then uh, if you had, did I say 600? (laughs) You have $600 left over. Let's say put 200 in the emergency fund and then 400 you can spend on your incidentals. Um, again, um, and, and doing those things in a separate account, uh, your emergency fund really needs to be out of your checking account because as that grows, you get this false sense of security that you've got this extra money here that you can just blow anywhere you want. But if you have it off into a separate account, say an online account that's set over here, then you've got your cash envelope for your incidentals. You've got your emergency fund over here in a savings account, and then you've got your checkbook to pay your monthly bills. Okay. A lot of people are wondering this question. You talked about budgets. How does one go about creating a budget? What's their first step? Well, you you have to get your head out of the sand is number one. So you got to come face to face with what you're spending. So pulling out your checkbook or your credit card statements, 
seeing what you're spending money down and list it all out, list out what your debt payments are, if you have any credit card or whatever that might be. And then, um, and then, like we said, then you leave money in a checking account that you're going to automatically draft because we're automating things. We're going to automatically draft your rent, your utilities, your transportation, um, those monthly expenses that happen month after month comes out of your checking account. You have, you pull out money, cash for your cash envelope, and then you put your $200 a month over here into the emergency fund, gets automatically drafted over to the emergency fund. And that's really very, very basic budget. Um, when I was doing uh, financial coaching, you know, typically I wasn't seeing a lot of students. So we had a lot of other factors in there. You know, you've got mortgages and car payments and not only do you have to pay a car payment, then now you got to pay your gas and then you got to pay your insurance and then you got to pay for, oh, new tires. Well, that doesn't happen every month. Where do I pay for that? So having that, we used to call it a setback account. You set money back into a separate account for those things that do occur, but they just don't occur on a monthly basis. So Christmas, gifts, um, medical bills, prescriptions, those kind of things, pets, you know, veterinarian bills, all those. The only way you can stick to a budget is if you're planning for it all. So um, you just have to list everything out, what you're spending money on. And if there's more coming, if more money's going out than coming in, you've got two choices. You have to either make more income or you have to decrease your expenses. Mm -hmm. And that's where that prioritization comes in that we talked about earlier, you know. Well, one thing about budgeting that I wanted to say is that I didn't grow up using a budget and I didn't have really a budget in college, but one of the blessings of having a budget is just really choosing where your money goes. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to spend money when it's been designated. Like I yes. remember buying clothes on debt and feeling really guilty. And it's like, oh, should I do it? Should I do it? You know, and mm -hmm. it's funny. Every time I bought clothes on debt, something happened to those clothes. They shrunk or I got a stain on them. I mean, it just, it's really silly how it happened. But um, so I started buying clothes by planning ahead of time what I was going to spend each month on clothes. And then um, it was just so freeing and fun. It was like, okay, this money has been designated and I can enjoy the whole process. So anyway, yes. I just wanted to put my little two cents in. Yes, it is freeing. Okay. This one, what is your opinion on separate accounts as well as one joint account, you know, for someone that is getting married? Um. You know, this all comes down to um, choosing wisely. So when you're looking for somebody to marry, we're, we're going to get into relationship counseling here for just a minute. But <laughs> if you're not choosing wisely, if you're not using your head when you're choosing somebody, you're just kind of making an emotional decision. That, that changes things for me because the the rate of divorce is so high. And when you you intertwine things, it becomes very oh, difficult to, to pull apart. So my advice is, yes, intertwine it all. It all comes together, but you've got to find the right person to do this with. Um, 
that's going to be your partner, that's going to be on the same page as you with money when you're making decisions, you have got to, that is probably the number one thing you've got to search for is this partnership compatibility in the person you're going to marry. Otherwise, don't waste, don't waste your time. You know, one thing that Sean and I did, uh, you know, when we met with you guys, mm -hmm. um, and we were engaged, but we weren't married yet, but we went through, uh, the, the financial course that you guys taught and, you know, it's, it's, wonderful to be able to go through those things and kind of become one in our finances yes. before we got married. And, you know, you guys looked at our money. I mean, it was very humbling for both of us, you know, to here we are with an old boyfriend yes. and his <laughs> wife and we're here are our bank statements and, you know, but it was worth it. And it was helpful and it was a game changer for us. Yes. And uh, I know when Sean and I do premarital counseling or pre-engagement counseling, we talk about money and it's so important to just get on the same page um, yeah. from the get-go. Yeah. But it is important to bring your money together yes. because it is, when you don't, it, it's that little division there. It's a subtle one, but it's a, it's a division between husband and wife when you keep those things separate and you know, you're going to pay this and you're going to pay the, I'll pay this, you pay that. And you're not holding up on your end and I'm paying everything over here. And so when you, everything goes into one account and everything comes out, it's a partnership and you're in it together. You're in the trench together. Adrian, I know a young couple, and we talked about them earlier, but she incurred a lot of debt in college. And uh, when they got married, um, or before they even got married, he called it our debt. Mm -mm. And they tackled it together in their first year of marriage, or first six months, actually. Yeah. I mean, they did all kinds of crazy things. We need to have them on the podcast um, to talk about it. But they knocked out, you over know, 40, over $40,000 wow. worth of debt That's in six impressive. months. That's and so I'm sure it strengthened their marriage. It strengthened their future. I mean, it's just really neat. So how fun. Yes. It I mean, it's like a game. us against them. Yes. You know, we're fighting off this debt. Yes. You know? Oh, so, yeah. They had a so party to celebrate. <laughs> it was awesome. I wish I was <laughs> I in love Texas it. to go with them. I love it. Okay. A couple of people asked this question, so we may need to um, backpedal a little bit. A lot of people are asking about investing your money. And so I know we talked about building this budget. We talked about giving. We talked about saving. Where does investment come in? You know, is it step number three? Is it step number four? Is it step number one? Mm -hmm. Help us mm -hmm. to know where investment comes in. Uh, investment comes off of paying, uh, comes after paying off debt. So when you're in debt, say you're out of college trying to pay off student loans, credit card debt, car loans, whatever it is, um, you need to go through um, a process of laying out your debt. Um, Dave Ramsey does this really well on his baby steps. Um, so encourage people to check out his website and uh, his books and classes and everything. But um, you need to just get laser focused on eliminating that debt. Because debt payments, I think I read the average car payment now is five hundred dollars a month. You know, five hundred thousand dollars or five hundred dollars a month is six thousand dollars a year. And if you have a thirteen thousand dollar car payment or a thirteen thousand dollar loan, car loan, you know, if you can take that five hundred dollars a month 
and put that, you can have that done in two years, you know, and then you take that money that you were making on the car payment plus, you know, money that you're already paying on another, say a credit card, you take your credit card payment, your car payment that you were making and put it all on the credit card payment, then that starts taking that balance down super fast. So I'm really uh, a fan of the way that Dave Ramsey does. You list your debt smallest to largest, start on the smallest one, blast that one out, celebrate it's a victory, and then you move on to the next state, next payment. And then you make minimum payments on everything else while you're focusing on maximized payments on one thing at a time. And then you just start knocking those things out. And then we can start talking about investing. Then you have that margin that we talked about, that space, uh, that financial space where you can start thinking big things with investing, with, you know, savings, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned margin. How do you say no to things? Sounds like a silly question, but it's an important question. How do you say no? Yeah, and so that comes back to the prioritization, you know, and your vision. And, you know, Jeff and I had this vision for our financial future. And every decision we made, you know, big ones, small ones, we thought we we took a step back and said, okay, how is this going to affect our financial future? And that helps us to say no to a lot of things. Um, and again, it comes down to what's important to you. You know, if we want to talk about the, the dresses, you know, uh, bridesmaid dresses or, you know, weddings and all of that, you know, um, college girls are getting asked all the time to be in weddings and they're expensive. They're a, a cost, you know, you, you've got to fly there and buy the dress and gifts and, you know, parties and all of that. And it, it's very costly. So if those things are not important to you, then all you have to do is say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's I, so hard. I, I, I'd like for us to just kind of develop this a little bit more. Cause I, I do think, cause like Sean does a lot of um, financial coaching mm-hmm. for uh, single women that we work, who we work with. And one of their main questions is, how do I handle, um, you know, I'm in weddings and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way our culture, I mean, it's changed even over the past, you know, 20 years. And, you know, Sean's advice is just kind of hardcore, but basically he's like, you can't, you can't do that and be financially healthy. You can't be in everybody's wedding. Right. And so that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. And I know that this is kind of hard to talk about, but we kind of need to. We were talking about it at lunch. You know, mm-hmm. how do we help young women make wise financial choices? But you have to figure out how you're going to handle um, weddings. And I, if I could just speak to young brides, you know, I was, I was a bridesmaid in 13 weddings. <laughs> and, you know, I know. I mean, I, I, I know. And then by the time it came for my turn to get married, I really had a heart for my bridesmaids. And in my wedding budget, one of the first things I did was I said, I'm going to buy all of my bridesmaid dresses. And I had 10 bridesmaids, Mm -hmm. but I picked a simple dress that was a pretty color and I bought their dresses. And, you know, we just, 
I guess my my challenge is to young brides is to really think through the people that you're involving. You know, there's simple ways to do things that don't cost a lot of money and you can really show a lot of love for your future husband, your future life together and for your friends and their futures by helping them make good, wise financial decisions. I mean, I really am shocked at just the level of, um, of celebration and it's just so costly. And, uh, anyway, so I just wanted to get that out there and you can ask me, email me, you know, if you have more questions and stuff, but I just, I think we could really change culture by just making choices to help people financially by just reducing the expectation Mm -hmm. and still having fun. I think it's much more personable that way. I don't know. Instead of being about the grandeur, it becomes about the relationships. Mm. And if we can think of it in terms of relationships, um, I think that would... Uh, help us be in a better place when it comes to um, making decisions on these things. Yeah. Well, these were some great questions, and I appreciate Mm -hmm. our listeners asking them. And Deb, thank you for offering your thoughts on it. Now, I feel like we have taken a sip out of a fire hydrant. I mean, there are so many things we can talk about. Would you mention some resources that you would point women to? Mm -hmm. And also, if someone wanted to... Uh, get some more information from you, um, how would be the best way? Maybe it would just be to email me. And also, if I, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, but we talked a little bit about maybe you doing a follow-up Zoom mm-hmm. um, if there's some interest. Um, so just let me know, you know, if that's of interest, if you want to know a little bit more. Deb is just a walking, um, just walking beautiful woman full of wisdom in this area and knowledge. So, uh Anyway, back to my original thing. Can you share the resources that you would recommend? Yes. Um, I think as far as getting down to the basics, it's DaveRamsey.com, going through Financial Peace University. Um, Adrian, you mentioned that you actually took a group of girls through the class. Um, Online, you can see where all the classes are actually happening through churches on campuses and, and employers are having classes. Um, that's a great place to uh, get a really good education on um, budgeting and, and money. Um, if I had to buy one book, I would uh, recommend I Will Teach You How to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Um, This would be the book. He just has such a, uh, it's funny, and he just has a great perspective on prioritization and investing. And so it it covers a gamut of of, uh, things. And I think he has a really healthy approach that resonates with your audience, the age group of your audience, I think it would resonate really well with them. So the book is I Will Teach You How to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. And then there's some other books, The Automatic Millionaire, that's um, automating your life, automating your investing as you go forward. Uh, When you start to invest, I think it's really important for women to know how to invest. And um, 
It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be extremely simple, but you need to have to have an understanding to be an uh, independent, confident woman in your life, like we talked about earlier, um, to learn these things for yourself. And then The Millionaire Next Door was such a great book for me to read. Um, it just talked about the perception. Um, you know, we talked about the perception through social media of what um, life should look like. There's this perception of wealth. Um, you know, we've got this, you know, reality TV out there that makes wealth seem something different than what it actually is. And I think The Millionaire Next Door, it's an older book by Thomas Stanley, um, is a, a terrific book for giving us a perspective on wealth, what that really means. And we'll um, put these in the show notes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to close with that Bible verse um, that you were sharing yeah. earlier. Can you read that? Yes. Yeah, so it's Luke 14, 28 through 30. Uh, and it's referring to uh, building a tower. First, sit down and estimate, consider the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. You know, we've got examples in the Old Testament about, um, in the New, about building a temple. And that they considered the cost of that temple before they started construction. They made sure that they had enough resources to cover the cost of that. And I think that's really important for us as Christians that um, when we make financial decisions, that we need to consider the cost of those financial decisions. You know, can we complete it? Can we um, consider the cost of um, making one decision over another? You know, poor financial decisions have a cost to it. Good financial decisions have costs. So that's one of those verses that comes back to me more uh, over and over as I consider uh, finances. Deb, thanks for sharing that. I'm sure our listeners love listening to all three of these podcasts. If you didn't already listen to the two previous ones, please check them out. Um, like Kim said, we are drinking from a fire hydrant here. There's so much to learn <laughs> on this particular topic. Thanks for listening with us today. And thank you, Deb. You bet. You bet.